When planning the road to success, there are a few steps to keep in mind. Identifying and solving the cause, facing and embracing change, goal setting, and being accountable. We'll talk about this today on Sustainable Success with Chris Salem. New and healthier habits lead to prosperity in all areas of your life and business. Now, here's your host, Chris Salem. Well, welcome. Hope everyone had a wonderful Fourth of July yesterday uh, was a kind of a weird day to have it in the middle of the week, but nonetheless, it was an awesome day to celebrate our country and hope everyone enjoyed spending time with their friends and families the sustainable success way. And we want to welcome our listeners as always. Again, if you are new to joining Sustainable Success, uh, again, you've probably found us through the Voice American Influencers channel, but you could also sign up at our Facebook page, Sustainable Success 2017. That's Sustainable Success 2017. That is our Facebook page. There you'll find uh, past episodes with our many great guests that we've had on the show covering a wide variety of different topics that you can listen to on demand. And it also gives you an opportunity to uh, join our tribe to uh, address any questions. And we'd be happy to get back to you, including any of our guests that have been on the show before. So again, uh, today we're going to be talking about a topic called uh, aspirational leadership. It's actually cooking up a recipe for aspirational leadership. And as anybody knows that has worked with me or, you know, that is the people I've coached, you know, leadership is a a big part of my training, Uh, being transparent, being, uh, you know, authentic, you know, and aspiration is part of that process. And we have a great guest today that uh, we are both members of the Evolutionary Business Council and I was really looking forward to today's show to have him on. His name is Adam Lamb, and Adam is a speaker, author, and a relationship guide for men of all ages, assisting them to reconnect to their authentic masculine power through one-on-one and group coaching programs and immersive retreats. He hosts a weekly live video show called The Morning Manifesto on YouTube and Facebook, as well as a monthly podcast, Manifesto Radio, available on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Adam's published works include Getting Comfortable with Being Uncomfortable, Profanity and Its Proper Use, and An Initiated Man. Finally, his newest work, Circle Jerk, Lessons of Manhood My Father Never Taught Me, which will be coming out next year. I'm sure Adam will be sharing some insights from that, but without further ado, I'd like to welcome Adam Lamb to the show. Good morning, sir. Thank you so much for having me on, Chris. Great, Adam. It's a pleasure to have you on, and and we've gotten to know each other uh, briefly over the last few months. And you know, t- I wanted to find out a little bit about. I know you have a background as a chef, and you know, mm-hmm. cooking and leadership, and how they go together. I think this was a a dynamic topic to discuss today. Talk a little bit about your background, uh, where it has led you today to to you know to lead you to where you're helping so many sure. men in uh, so many different areas. Uh, you know, uh, Chris, I spent 35 years as an, uh, in the hospitality industry, probably the last 20, 25 uh, as uh, either an executive chef or a corporate chef. And the reality is I started washing dishes at the local, uh, at the local restaurant in my neighborhood when I was 15 years old. Uh, I tried to do other things. I had listed and spent some time in the military, and, uh, it, but the kitchen just kept calling me back. And uh, ever since 2005... Uh, in my career, um, I realized that it was something that uh, I loved and was quite passionate about, and at the same time uh, was really frustrating. 
And I ended up getting out of the business for about a year, uh, which enabled me to come back with a different perspective and remember why I had fallen in love with the business to begin with, which was the interpersonal relationships. I mean, I like creativity just as much as the next person, but what really, uh, what really jazzed me about the business was developing these very, very tight relationships under extreme conditions. I mean, it's not like warfare, but you know, you're working against the clock and um, against uh, for a common goal. So in order to get uh, five or 10 people uh, moving in the same direction is challenging enough, but uh, in, a, in a kitchen, which is almost like a social laboratory, most folks are coming from at least three or four different ethnic backgrounds. Maybe they speak three or four different languages. And it really can be challenging um, to, again, kind of get everybody moving forward in the same direction to a common goal. So it's uh, this aspect of leadership was something that I was challenged with pretty early on in my career. Yeah, and I bet, I mean, because like you said, I mean, with the language barrier, because you think about it in kitchens, I mean, there's always going to be that diversity. And when you're talking about cultural diversity, there's going to be certain, not only the language, but there's going to be certain things that are, you know, certain values, certain beliefs, uh, how you communicate. There, there, there are so many different variables here, and it's not kind of like a cookie-cutter approach that you can do with just anyone. So I would say that definitely your leadership, uh, your leadership principles were definitely tested. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, we started, uh, Buddy and I uh, started a couple years ago with this question, which is given equal even equal skill sets, what makes one chef uh, a better chef than the other one? Because, you know, very often folks would often talk about their mentors or the people who really took them under their wings and really made a difference in their lives. Uh, and that once we asked enough folks, the answer kept coming back leadership. And I suspected that leadership was actually a red herring, that that was more to the impact that these folks had made um, in their in their careers other than just leadership and what we came about was a series of 10 different attributes uh, which really speak to the heart of um, another book that I'm working on which is called be a better chef lessons of uh, leadership from behind the line and behind the line is actually the the giveaway and that um, instead of talking about leadership I think what What's more impactful, especially with a lot of the young ones coming up today and the shift in in perception uh, for a lot of the millennials coming up, that uh, it's mentorship that they're really looking for. It's mentorship that really calls them forward and and really gets them excited. Um, And being a mentor is a little bit different than being uh, a leader. Um, And so it's a blending more of, uh, of teaching, showing, being taking an interest not only in them professionally, but also personally. And it's also allowing them the space and the grace with which to fail so that they get to learn from those mistakes in a much more powerful way than just being told, hey, listen, don't stick your finger in a light socket. <laughs> well, that, that's true. I, I mean, I mean, knowing, you know, I, I do a whole thing in generation with workplace communications, and I can understand with millennials, they've been overall been raised to believe that, Hey, if something doesn't work, you know, it'll get taken care of, um, you know, that mm. kind of that approach. And this is a way that, you know, embracing failure is actually a good thing, as long as that you're learning some from, from it and you're not repeating the same pattern over and over again. But I think that that's a great, good, great recipe, so to speak, for them, you know, for, for millennials mm-hmm. to learn to move forward. Right. And there's also this other, other aspect uh, of resiliency, you know, and uh, being in the culinary industry, uh, 
there is a certain culture, as we were speaking about before, that goes all the way back to uh, the French formalization of of the culinary industry and the way that teams were put together in the kitchen and in what they used to call brigades, almost like um, um, talking about a military unit in the way that the French talked about how they built their kitchen crews together. Um, but there's a certain amount of respect for this history um, and the way that, you know, kind of like the inside language that any industry has uh, that from an outsider can sometimes be daunting trying to break into that. But um, the millennials, some of the old guard uh, were really throwing up their arms with some of the millennials, you know, that, you know, they were, you know, these guys would walk off the line on a Saturday night right in the middle of the shift because situations weren't to their liking. When in fact, we had kind of been grown up and trained and shamed and conditioned to, you know, you never leave a job until you have another job. And so there was this great deal of frustration that for some chefs, they just could not get through to these, to these young ones. They just couldn't get them inspired, couldn't get them to listen. And what I recognized in them with the help of some folks like Chef Maria Campbell from, uh, from Philadelphia, who does a whole a great workshop around millennials in the, in the Kona industry, um, is uh, in order to motivate them, it's got to be beyond, you know, just, okay, show up at six, do your job, and then leave. There has to be some investment emotionally. And so this aspect of mentorship where you're kind of really just being elbow to elbow with them in their space kind of funny because, you know, chopping a set of vegetables right next to somebody, whether it's, you know, metaphorical or actual, is a great way to start launching a conversation into something other than what you're actually doing in the moment. Uh, but this aspect of how do you retain them? How do you motivate them? How do you, how do you bring them forward? And what I discovered in myself was, is that the reason that I was kind of, you know, put off a little bit with them about their demands and their requirements was that they were asking for the same stuff that 25 years ago I had asked for, or maybe I didn't have enough guts to ask for it, but certainly things that I wanted out of a career, you know, to be part of the, uh, to be part of the uh, stakeholders, to be brought in on decisions, or at least consulted, uh, to kind of be aware of what's happening in the environment instead of, you know, just put up and shut up and just sit over there and just cut your vegetables. And so, because I thought that, I would never be able to get that given the dynamics of how I was brought up. I realized that, you know, for the most part, a lot of the guys of my, of my age group were like, you know, this is the way we were brought up and that's the way that you're going to get brought up. When in fact, what, what aggravated us most was the millennials were just asking for that, which we had aspired to back then, but we're too scared to ask. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I, I, I don't know about you. I, I'm a Gen Xer, so, you know, and I can relate to that. You know, we, we grew up, we, you know, we had kind of like, the, we were seeking like a work-life balance, at least our generation that would be. And But yet we still had a good work ethic because, you know, the baby boomers, the traditionalists were, you know, you go into work, you work, you work hard, you come home. That's how that, that was the mentality. No matter if you hated it or not, you went in, you did, you did what you had to do. And you didn't ask questions. And I think, right. you know, the, the Gen Xers were kind of like in between, like where we were, fought, you know, we were kind of a blend of the baby boomers, but yet kind of leaning towards the millennials in a way where we were starting to branch out. You know, that's when entrepreneurship obviously started to take off, you know, the Gen Xers. Absolutely. Uh, so, so you're right. It was like these things that we wanted, but we didn't ever think about asking because, you know, God forbid if we did, you know, we, we, We'd be uh, reprimanded or, you know, they would fire us, whatever, whatever the reasons yeah. were. 
And but I mean, like I said, I mean, a lot of times, not every millennial, but millennials, you know, grew up in, during a time where you had two two people working in, in the in the family household. Uh, there mm-hmm. was not all you know, not a lot of engagement always with the parents and the child, and a lot of times they were given things just to occupy their time. So there was this sense of entitlement in many ways, not that it was sure. intentional, but a lot of times that has to so, say, but when you're in the workplace or any business that you, you, these are things that you have to look at, not to say that every millennial is like that because doesn't mean because you're a millennial, you're automatically labeled that. No, but just speaking in general, these are things that, you know, you have to look at going forward. So that's interesting mm-hmm. that you brought that up. Yeah, you know, and um, you make a great point in that I I certainly don't want to be uh, viewed as this conversation being skewed to bash and millennials because that's not yeah. my point at all. My point is, is that they actually woke, woke me up to this kind of lockdown mentality when I thought that there was only so much that, I, that was capable for me in my life and in my career. And actually, their coming in was kind of like a breath of fresh air. Um, which kind of helped me reinvigorate not only the way that I manage, but also the way that I live. And, you know, Jordan Peterson makes a, a much broader point around, um, around this sense of entitlement. Uh, and he certainly has his opinions on where it came from. But uh, that's where leading and managing uh, in this time is just so vastly different than it has been in the past. And, you know, your, your comment about the entrepreneurship is also incredibly valid in that it's, it's a tough road to be an entrepreneur, as, as you or I know, but oh, yeah. no, other time in, no other time in history has it been so easy to break out and do your own thing. I mean, it takes a lot of hard work and it takes a lot of dedication, but the tools are so readily available now. And it's easy to kind of silo yourself in to your own business and, and not worry about anybody else except for your clients. But then, of course, when you start to scale and grow and start bringing on other people on the team... There, there it comes back to the same dynamic. Well, how are you going to lead them? How are you going to manage them? How are you going to influence them? How are you going to teach them, school them, grow them, um, so that not only uh, do you get to be the best version of you today, but they get to be the best version of them today. So that, to me, seems to be the, the challenge that's always there every day as I try to be a better version of than I was yesterday. No, absolutely. And, I, and you made an interesting point, you know, as, as you take a business from being like a, so, a solopreneur, you know, even if you add, even if you have one person working for you, but be, as you begin to scale, you know, a lot of times it's trial by fire and, you know, or it's a reactive approach that a lot of people take. And sometimes they can get away with it, but it, it, there is a strategy to it because, you know, you're going to bring people in based upon their, their values, their beliefs, their, their skills, but more importantly, you know, their heart, you know, what is their passion as it pertains to this particular role and mm-hmm. how are you going to be able to manage that? So it's not like you're trying to manage people, but you're trying to, you know, empower them to manage themselves and and finding the right ways to influence, the right ways to lead and to empower, uh, you know, and obviously systems and and, and, and business models and all these other things come into play. And these are things that I, you know, like you said, they have to be planned ahead. It's not something that you can, you know, just wing it, so to speak. So I'm glad that you brought that up. Yeah, there needs to be some some sandbox. You know, the wood has got to be set up before you can actually get the sandbox set up. And let's face it, uh, Chris, I don't, uh, you know, sometimes you, being a podcaster myself, every once in a while I see a show's name and I kind of laugh and giggle like, oh, man, that was a great thought. How come I didn't think of that? 
But your show title, Sustainable Success, is absolutely apropos because anybody can be in a flash and a pan, but how can you grow it? How can you scale it? How can you not let it take you over? Because I know a lot of folks whose businesses absolutely eat them alive. And uh, part of my journey was starting my own consulting business on the side as I held down um, a full-time culinary position and then started branching out into uh, coaching culinary professionals because I realized that a need for a conversation or a broadening perception around what it's like to have a fulfilling career and ha ha ha. It's got nothing to do with cooking really, but <laughs> because I recognized in my, I recognized in myself that there are certain traits that were, uh, that were in common with a lot of guys in the industry. You know, uh, we work really, really hard. Sometimes we play really, really hard. Um, sometimes our, ability to execute and be creative uh, enables us to get away with murder and those around us uh, enable that because of our creativity. Um, so very often it's a flash in the pan or, or God forbid something worse, uh, worse, a heart attack. But I recognize all those things in me because as I was coming up, um, I made all those mistakes. So as I uh, got pulled out of the fire time and time again by the people who I was lucky enough to be surrounded by, I recognized my desire to want to pay that back. And as these young ones came up, um, what I like to call the sharpest, sharpest knives in the drawer, you know, very often I saw them stumbling and making mistakes as I had. So I wanted to kind of reach out and, and assist them. But chefs are a pretty stubborn group of guys and girls. You know, they sometimes think that uh, they've, they're, that they've already got it clocked and figured out or that it will never happen to them. So this aspect of um, taking, uh, you know, taking programs for self-development, it's something that's kind of new to that industry. So that's why I kind of pivoted uh, to encompass all men, because I also realized that a lot of the lessons that I was learning in the kitchen also applied to just about any industry that I could think of. At least those are the conversations that kept coming up as I started to coach other men. Um, and I thought, wow, this is really, really, really powerful. So uh, the other thing is I find that um, my wife will introduce me at cocktail parties and very often she'll uh, introduce me as, you know, a speaker, and an internationally best-selling author and people go, hmm, ho-hum. But if she introduces them as, hi, this is my husband, Adam. He's a chef. Uh, they automatically become completely enamored with that idea. Oh, you're a professional chef. What do you like to cook? What's your favorite meal? Da, 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 da. So there's this fascination about being in a kitchen that holds people's attention, which kind of allows me a certain degree of permissible drift by, by starting a conversation about perhaps maybe a deeper purpose or a little bit more transparency or vulnerability and using that as kind of my entree into where they're at in their lives. No, absolutely. And and like I said, I mean, obviously food is very a common thing that a lot of people gravitate to and <laughs> especially fine food. And so you you got it in there and especially being an international bestselling author and a speaker and 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 a, and a relationship guide for men. I mean, just on top of that, that's just a good, good, good door opener, so to speak. And, you know, in today's world, we you know, even though, you know, I'm a big, you know, I'm a big believer in conscious capitalism. We all got to be here to help, you yeah. know, obviously serve our, our world and serve people. But, you know, we, in some ways we have to stand out a little bit because in order for people to know exactly what we can do and how we can help solve their problems. So uh, this is yeah. great. Um, we're going to be going to break here. So you're listening to Adam Lamb. He's a speaker, author, relationship guide for men. 
uh, also an internationally best-selling author, and again, a professional chef. He spent many years in that profession. He's sharing words of wisdom on aspiration in terms of leadership. We'll be right back after the break. What is balance? It's being true to your purpose and not being distracted by shiny objects, surrounding yourself with family and loved ones, nurturing your spirituality, maintaining healthy balance of emotional and physical wellness, and being present in the moment. Chris Salem creates awareness about unblocking mindset barriers for sales professionals, business leaders, entrepreneurs, and all types of people to have sustainable success at the next level. The solution evolves out of the problem or challenge. The issue is that many people and businesses manage the effect but do not address the root cause. You now have an opportunity to live your life and operate your business in the solution rather than the effect of your challenges. Schedule a time to chat about your goals and the person you desire to be by going to ChristopherSalem.com. We have group consulting calls, one-on-one, and other programs to assist you. It will be the best thing you do for yourself to see how sustainable success is possible for you in your life and business. Join us at the next level. Visit ChristopherSalem.com. What is balance? It's being true to your purpose and not being distracted by shiny objects. Surrounding yourself with family and loved ones. Nurturing your spirituality. Maintaining a healthy balance of emotional and physical wellness. And being present in the moment. Chris Salem creates awareness about eliminating limited beliefs or unblocking mindset barriers for entrepreneurs, sales professionals, business leaders, and professional athletes to have sustainable success at the next level. The solution evolves out of resolving the root cause to the problem. The issue is that many people and businesses manage the problem but do not address the root cause to it. You now have the opportunity to live your life and operate your business in the solution rather than the effect of your challenges. Schedule a time to chat about your goals and the person you desire to be by going to ChristopherSalem.com. We have group consultation calls, one-on-one, and other programs to assist you. It will be the best thing you do for yourself to see how sustainable success is possible for you in your life and business. Join us at the next level. Visit ChristopherSalem.com. This is the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. You are listening to Sustainable Success with Chris Salem. Call into our program today at 1-866-472-5795. Again, that's 1-866-472-5795. Or send an email to Chris at ChristopherSalem.com. Now... Back to Sustainable Success. Welcome back. Uh, We're here with Adam Lamb, who's a uh, former or still probably a professional chef. Once a chef, always a chef, but also a speaker, author, and relationship guide for men uh, who shares his wisdom and experience in helping men of all ages to really connect with their masculine power uh, to, to apply to whatever success means to them. We were talking about a little bit about Adam's background and his experience and so, Adam, I wanted to ask you here in the, in the second segment of the show, we, even though we were talking about aspirational leadership, can we define that for the audience today? Yeah, I think um, uh, for me, aspirational leadership goes beyond, it, it is a bridge between leadership and mentorship. Obviously, when you or I get up in the morning, I hope you don't mind me including you in this, but I have a pretty good idea that, Chris, that you're about this. You know, we have a 
daily practice and what we get up, we're always looking to aspire to be better than we were yesterday or yes. to be the best version that we can. Um, and that often takes several different techniques. Um, and I liken the aspirational portion of the leadership to doing the same. Very often as a leader, I was taught to do once, uh, you know, do several things very, very well. You know, how to manage my time, how to manage my, my associates' time, how to manage the product, especially in the kitchen because most of the product has uh, is, is rapidly losing its efficacy, so to speak. You know, you have four hours in order to actually deal with this product. So everything's, yeah, everything's running away. So there's this scarcity mentality in that type of environment that there's not enough time, there's not enough labor. Um, so ultimately what ends up happening is that for me, what it would do is it would increase the stress so much that um, if I didn't take it out on my staff, very often I took it out on myself, uh, what with uninitiated behavior or not understanding how to deal with the stress. So I'd either drink it or drug it away like a lot of the guys and, uh, and women in my industry. Um, a lot, but not all. There's certainly some folks who are, who've been much more successful than that. There's also this aspect of, uh, of a high level of suicide within the hospitality industry uh, and uh, health and mental uh, uh, Yeah, I mean, Anthony Bourdain, issues. right? Right. I mean, Anthony Bourdain was yeah. a chef, right? Yeah, Anthony Bourdain kind of shocked us. I, I mean, I got to work. I, I had been doing my meditation, and by the, by the time I got to work, I hadn't checked any of my news feeds, and I, I was putting on an apron and, uh, you know, was getting texts and called all over the place um, and found out, and uh, my best friend said to me, you know, we've, you know, we thought he had it figured out. We thought he was the one guy who had like kind of gotten out and been able to leverage his brilliance into other things. So, um, and the fact is, is that mental uh, mental health issues uh, affect everyone. As we've seen, uh, there was a, a very well known woman who uh, Kate Spade who took her life several days before. So, there's this aspect of of viewing your people as cogs in the wheel or names on a schedule and not taking them in their wholeness to account um, even as you're in the service to other people. So not only do I aspire to be, the, to be better than I was yesterday, but that I also have aspirations for the crew and for the people that I'm around, realizing, of course, that ultimately they're the only ones that are, can be responsible for, for bettering their lot in life. But I want to make sure that I at least point out the water as opposed to dragging the horse to the water. Um, there's... The, the discussion about health and wellness in the hospitality industry has been a dirty secret that nobody's had the guts to talk about uh, for a while. Um, there have been some of us that have been kind of shouting it out from the rooftops only because we've seen it firsthand. And there have been some folks working on the edges like uh, uh, Sarah and Jonathan Ori of the Heirloom Foundation after seeing some dear friends uh, succumb to drug addiction and suicide. They decided they were going to do something and started a this wonderful organization that um, that raises and and distributes money for for programs specifically to the hospitality industry. Uh, very often, the folks who enter that that world are uh, underserved, uh, usually underbanked. Um, they have, probably haven't had health insurance, uh, and if they did, they probably got it taken away. So these are folks that are out on the margin trying to do better in their lives. So I wanted to make sure that I met them uh, where they were at and providing a bridge 
to uh, the possibility of a better life. And so that's kind of spilled over into uh, my coaching practice and my writing in which I want to be able to illuminate the fact that there are ways and techniques and processes in which that you can uh, enjoy a higher quality of life to follow your most fluid yes to dance with the muse and the quantum field in such a way that that you become an energetic match for those things that are seeking you out. And if it's not where, if, if those are less than, then there's a way in which you can change your energetic field so that you can attract something different. And there's been plenty of people who've talked about this, you know, Abraham Hicks and uh, lots of folks who have, you know, this, the message is not new, um, but perhaps the audience that's being served now is new. Uh, so that's kind of the way that I am bridging this conversation about aspirational leadership and such that, uh, you know, it takes a community and a village to do anything. And in this day and age, as families become more, uh, more fractured and further apart, it seems to me that our communities are the places where, uh, where ecologically, politically, energetically, uh, the community is where we can most often uh, have our not only our voices heard but our actions felt no it's so true and and i I like the fact that what you talked about because you know anything in life you know there life is always going to have its ups and downs, and it really comes down to what we do to address things before they become a, you know more of a problem. It can be anything in business, yeah. it can be anything in our personal lives, it can be with our wellness. But, you know, we've been raised and we've been, you know, in a, in a reactive society. You know, we, we, we don't do anything until, until the problem has really manifested itself. <laughs> and <laughs> Yeah, we're good at ignoring it. Exactly. And just like your experiences as a chef, you know, you, you, know, you see that, you know, a lot of times with things, by the time things are addressed, it's, it, you know, the problem's already manifested itself and it, and it can get out of hand. So it's one of these things like that we got it's 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 a it's consistency in the things that we do daily that we have to nurture mm-hmm. our well-being we have to nurture our mindset we have to address the problem where it lies and you know it you know like you talked about Anthony Bourdain you know and the outside it looked like the, you know this guy had everything going for him and in many ways he did yeah. but there were certain things that maybe he just lost himself and you know he lost himself in the process and and at the time of when he made that decision, he didn't feel like he had any choices except that that decision. Wow! And it's just, right, um, right. it's yeah. Go ahead, Adam. I, I mean, you are so right. I mean, I've heard I've I, I heard it said uh, by someone else that you know once you once you build the beast, then you got to feed it. And this aspect of self nurture for me and my work is is huge. Um, in that I at one point was um, you know. Uh, addicted to um, prescription painkillers after a second back surgery for close to five years, both before and after the surgery. Um, I was, you know, almost 290 pounds, bloated, sick. uh, And it was only through what I consider to be divine intervention of finding myself in the island of Tortola, British Virgin Islands, (laughs) without the ability (laughs) to get my prescription filled, that I actually was able to to create enough space in my life where I could look at what was going on. But, uh, you know, this this thing about taking care of myself as a, as a way of doing business before anything else is, has been coming home to roost in many, many ways for me. Because what I realized was is that my body is in a constant conversation with me and nobody ever gave me the manual on how to understand the language. 
So the pain and the, and the ache in my body had to get really, really good at deciphering what that might mean as far as where I'm at in my situation and, what, and how I'm treating myself. So, you know, a message for any man or any person literally uh, listening to the show today is, is really devoting a portion of your day to self-nurture, whether that means taking off your shoes and walking out in the grass in the backyard for 10 minutes, whether it's uh, walking a medicine wheel, whether it's meditating, whether it's doing deep breathing in a storeroom, whether it's uh, listening to great music, exercising certainly is a, is a wonderful one of not only getting connected, as I like to say, to your central channel or to your inner guidance, but also to, to work out uh, in, in a way that your body really enjoys it. But the better, you, the better I've gotten at my own self-nurture and my own self-care, I have, the better I've been able to be in service to other people and not let that well go dry because my, my cup is continually getting refilled. So it, it, so it, never, gets, it never gets empty. No, that's so true. I mean, when you think about the recipe for success in business, it's, you know, the more value you can bring to your audience, the more revenue you will be able to generate. And if you're not, if you don't have that to give in terms of value because you've exhausted yourself and you haven't replenished it, then you're not adding value. It's so true what you just said. And, you know, we as, we as men, but I'm sure it's not exclusive to us. You know, we have been trained, shamed, and conditioned to not really think about ourselves. I mean, my dad dropped out at 61 because he took care of everybody else instead of himself. Yeah. I had a wife, uh, my, my second wife, was crying in bed, with, uh, in bed with me one day because she had realized that I wasn't taking care of myself at all, um, but I was putting everyone else first. Now, I didn't have that much money to begin with, but she's like, you know, look at, look at your shirt. You know, how am I supposed to love a guy who doesn't even care enough about himself to, you know, to wear a decent shirt, you know, and that yeah. hurt me when she said that, but I didn't really get the depth of the message. That's like, how can anybody, uh, it's, it's only until I enter into that deep relationship with myself, can I understand what's going to serve me best uh, and in the long run help serve those around me because the happier, more joy or connected to my joy, the better I'm going to be to to at least reflect it back to everyone else. Yeah, I mean, what your wife just told you was spot on. And here's why, why I, I, when you said that just hit home for me, is that when you think about relationships, people don't think, you know, relationships don't have any bearing on business. They do. They have a bearing on your uh-huh. business. They have a bearing on your, on your personal wellness, just like business has, a, has on your wellness and your relationships. They all tie together. Mm-hmm. But what you just said is that, in essence, if she were codependent, she would be loving what you were doing because you were always putting yourself last and putting <laughs> her first or everybody else. But the fact that she she had some a foundation and strength in seeking an inter, interdependent relationship, she, she was in, a way, in essence saying, hey, put yourself first. Not that it's in a selfish way, but in a way that when you can care for yourself, you're empowering me to do the same for myself. And we're able to work, come together and really share that that experience together to make it, you know, a, a, a very healthy interdependent relationship. That's why taking care of you when you're, cause you're empowering other people around you. That's the greatest gift you can give yeah. rather than just give, 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 and give and enable and please, please. And which gets people nowhere. Yeah. I like, uh, I just got off a short term contract in Austin, uh, working at this huge resort and, 
you know, I had a set time between, you know, uh, 10 and 11 on Tuesdays and Thursdays where I'd go down to the chiropractic, get my massage, get my tens, get, get myself all stretched out and, you know, made no bones about not only letting the management know, but to tell the other chefs when I got back, hey, listen, man, I just had a great massage, feeling great. Tomorrow I'm doing my Pilates in the morning and they look at me like I'm crazy, but you know, I can, (laughs) I I, I can't, I can't ask anybody to be transparent and vulnerable with me if I'm not willing to be that for someone else first. So I have no, no bones about like trying to hit them to what works versus what doesn't work, where I may be at, the things that I'm failing at. That's one of my favorite things about about the weekly Facebook live that I do is that, you know, I'm very, very honest about, about ways I came up short during the week as a way to kind of build a funny epiphany story so that they, so that folks might be able to see themselves in me. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, that's so true. I mean, I mean, just like what you were talking about is, is so important. And, and as men, you know, we, we need to do that. I mean, you think about back in the day when, you know, our dads and even our grandfathers, I mean, they worked hard mm-hmm. and, and in many ways they did instill, you know, some very good values. But in some cases they always meant well, but there were certain things that I learned that if I had done that with my son, it would have just set that dysfunction to keep oh, going boy. on and on and on and on. It would have created a legacy of that dysfunction that it was time to break the pattern that you have to be able to put yourself first in a way that is going to serve not only you, but others. You know, it's like the person that is overweight and, and then their children are overweight. Be- children learn by what they see, not what you tell them. Mm-hmm. And it's so powerful as men that we have to be the example for our children, be the example for the people that work for us, uh, be example for our families and so forth. And this is why, it's so important in a, in a positive way to put ourselves first to be the example for others. Right, and it's never what we—it's never what we say; it's what we do. It's our way of being that informs other people on how to treat us. I, you know, I never—I was married to a wonderful woman who, uh, in later part of the relationship, became an alcoholic, and I, uh, you know, the marriage ended up breaking up, but I. She said, well, why didn't you want to give us a shot? And I said, well, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't see my life as being sober, and I didn't want to put that, that tension between us. Mm-hmm. And I said, and I'm sorry for the way I treated you. And she said, no, 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 Adam. She said, I taught you how to, te- how to treat me because I was an alcoholic, because I was doing this and doing that. So it, we inform others on how we want to be treated by our ways of being. So it's very, very important to be aware of how we're showing up for other people. You know, we all come with emotional baggage, almost all of us. And so the idea is how do we shift our perspective from the victimhood that I certainly ran with for most of my life? You know, how Same do you here. Get, how, do you, how, how do you get to pivot, you know, just a couple feet to the left or the right to be able to gain a different perspective and see how it can be versus how it is in the moment. No, absolutely. Adam. I mean, I, we have, we share a very parallel life. I struggled with addiction mm-hmm. for most of my early years up until I was 30 years old, uh, learned the hard way, struggled. I played the victim so I could totally relate. And you know, what I yeah. love about you being on the show is that we're able to share this wisdom for other men that maybe are just either one, haven't been aware of it or been ignorant to it. 
and hopefully it's going to, you know, to, to, at least if, it, if one listener can take something from this today to make a change, Certainly. Uh, this show was, was, was a success in itself. So, again, you're listening to yeah. Adam Lamb. Uh, we're going to have to go to break here. Adam Lamb, who is a speaker, author, and relationship guide for men of all ages to, to uh, bring their authentic masculine power back to what they do best. Uh, we'll be right back after the break. What is balance? It's being true to your purpose and not being distracted by shiny objects. Surrounding yourself with family and loved ones. Nurturing your spirituality. Maintaining a healthy balance of emotional and physical wellness. And being present in the moment. Chris Salem creates awareness about eliminating limited beliefs or unblocking mindset barriers for entrepreneurs, sales professionals, business leaders, and professional athletes to have sustainable success at the next level. The solution evolves out of resolving the root cause to the problem. The issue is that many people and businesses manage the problem but do not address the root cause to it. You now have the opportunity to live your life and operate your business in the solution rather than the effect of your challenges. Schedule a time to chat about your goals and the person you desire to be by going to ChristopherSalem.com. We have group consultation calls, one-on-one, and other programs to assist you. It will be the best thing you do for yourself to see how sustainable success is possible for you in your life and business. Join us at the next level. Visit ChristopherSalem.com. What is balance? It's being true to your purpose and not being distracted by shiny objects, surrounding yourself with family and loved ones, nurturing your spirituality, maintaining healthy balance of emotional and physical wellness, and being present in the moment. Chris Salem creates awareness about unblocking mindset barriers for sales professionals, business leaders, entrepreneurs, and all types of people to have sustainable success at the next level. The solution evolves out of the problem or challenge. The issue is that many people and businesses manage the effect but do not address the root cause. You now have an opportunity to live your life and operate your business in the solution rather than the effect of your challenges. Schedule a time to chat about your goals and the person you desire to be by going to ChristopherSalem.com. We have group consulting calls, one-on-one, and other programs to assist you. It will be the best thing you do for yourself to see how sustainable success is possible for you in your life and business. Join us at the next level. Visit ChristopherSalem.com. Change starts here. Change starts now. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. You are listening to Sustainable Success with Chris Salem. Call into our program today at 1-866-472-5795. Again, that's 1-866-472-5795. Or send an email to Chris at ChristopherSalem.com. Now, back to Sustainable Success. Welcome back. If you're just joining us, uh, you're listening to Adam Lamb, speaker, author, relationship guide for men, bringing their masculine power uh, back to what they love to do. He's also a professional chef. Again, if you're if you are just joining us, you can listen to this uh, episode on demand, which will be uh, available later today. And it is available to listen to anytime from the Voice America Influencer Channel, as well as the Sustainable Success 2017, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Plus, you name it, uh, you can find it there. So, Adam, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, some key concepts from your book, An Initiated Man, Finally. 
Can we talk about some of the points that from that book that kind of pertain to what we've been talking about so far here today sure. on the show, sure. and then anything new that we have not talked about? Absolutely, Chris. Um, you know, before before we went to break, uh, you and I shared this moment about uh, kind of our, our our shared history around victimhood, and uh, the book uh, will. The reason I wrote the book is I had an incredible experience uh, a year ago on my birthday, uh, and I wanted to be able to kind of get it all down when it was all fresh, and it enabled me to kind of take a look at myself from a larger perspective, not only me as Adam, but also me as Adam, the human being in this world, uh, because what was happening was is um, just been married uh, to an amazing woman, uh, and I perceptively had everything in my life. I had uh, a wonderful woman who loved me, plenty of friends, da, 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 and I couldn't figure out why I was still miserable. I was just miserable. And so I decided that I was going to take some drastic action. And so I went on this mystical experience. And one of the things that I came away with, which was just so powerful, was this aspect of owning all of who I am in neutrality. Because for most of my life, I had been kind of about, as a victim, I was always kind of self-negating, you know, I, that I was this, I was that, uh, you know, all the negative self-talk. I mean, for crying out loud, for most of my life, I was walking around like a, uh, a walking uh, apology. But when I was able to actually express to myself, you know, the fact that, uh, that I could own the fact that I was, you know, a lover, a father, a son, a cousin, um, as well as, uh, you know, a liar, uh, thief, and master manipulator, and own all of that in neutrality. What I got from that was a sense of freedom around, around what I could become tomorrow. Because for the longest time, all those negative aspects of myself and the ways that I acted out, I always kept far away from me because I always felt a great deal of shame. And so what happened was that shame would kind of build a wall and anything that's repressed or not looked at will sit there and fester, right? And can come out in one of the worst ways. So one of the ways it used to come out for me was, you know, this unspecified anger where I just recognized that I'd be angry for no particular reason and sometimes be taking it out on people who least deserved it. So going on this kind of this adventure of, kind of hacking my own spirit to try to figure out why this was. And I came upon this, this idea that only it was only until I owned not only the good stuff and the bad stuff perceptively, but owning all of it in neutrality, could I actually finally stop running away from myself and mm. just be with myself and say, it's okay. And then the question became, and now what? <laughs> <laughs> and now where do we go from here? <laughs> But I mean, the, the key was that you were aware of you and you accepted where you were at, which is which is a, a yeah. big, big thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, not only I, and I don't necessarily know how I had the self-awareness to be able to know that I was almost at a crisis situation other than my wife basically telling me, hey, listen, I'm not going to put up with this anymore. Um, and thank goodness she did that because it gave me, again, uh, some extra motivation to try to figure out what it was. And Let's face it, um, I, it's not the first time in my life where I was ignorant, not ignorant, but unwilling to look at some of the things that were happening in my life, especially because they were painful or that they were headed down the wrong road. And I don't know if anybody in the audience kind of shares that same perspective. And that's, that's why 
you know, Chris, your work is so imperative. You know, other people who are out there talking about these types of things and really leading the way is just, I'm just so thankful that, that, you know, this kind of conversation can occur. So like you said, if there's Absolutely. one person out there who can walk away with it and say, you know what, maybe it's time for me. Absolutely. It's, it's one person at a time. It, you know, it, it's, it's, we are messengers and, you know, we, we, we come from experience. This isn't stuff that we're, you know, reading in a textbook and just kind of regurgitating it in a different way. It it's, <laughs> comes from the heart. It, it's, it's real experience. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and I can't I can't stress enough, you know, this whole idea about in neutrality because you know I was really good at, at uh, uh, kicking my own butt, you know, especially when uh, I wasn't acting uh, in an honorable fashion. I would use that I would use that as an excuse to treat myself uh, much more poorly for much longer period, and now I'm able to pivot away from from e- either an emotional trigger or a tendency to hold myself in judgment because as, as I've also let go of the expectations, um, the judgments have also let go as well, which kind of leaves me in a space of just grace and compassion for myself, you know, understanding that at any given time I did the best I could with the tools I had. <laughs> exactly. That's not to excuse, it's not to excuse bad behavior because it also affected other people, but that also gave me the opportunity to go back and clean up my messes. Absolutely. And, you know, and, and the thing is, is that, you know, even the people we affected, you know, granted, they didn't ask for it and things happen. I mean, but, you know, it, it, everyone's got their stuff. So in a way that their stuff could have affected people. So it's kind of these things that we can't take it personally. We, that's the thing that we have to learn that everyone's going through their mm. journey and everybody's in a different you know, a different phase of that journey. And we just have to be able to be able to, you know, look at our own selves that we can only manage what we know ourselves. We can't manage other people in terms of what they're going to do. We just have to be the example for them. And if everyone could adopt that principle, I think we'd live in a better, more harmonious uh, world, (laughs) so to speak. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, someone might be listening to the program and, and think, you know, well, what the heck does all, any of this have to do with, you know, aspirational leadership or any type of leadership? And I would, I would posit that, you know, it's, this is all about leadership, that the, that, that the kind of leadership that's being called for now, especially in the light of the Me Too movement and some of these uh, other critical social movements that are happening right now, it's actually a doorway. It's an asking for us to be able to transcend kind of uh, the old ways of machismo and all the BS that we grew up with into, into being the true leaders that we came here to be. And it's got nothing to do with titles. You know, you lead just because of the way you are in the world so that other people can look at you and say, you know, that's the kind of person I want to be. That's the true definition of leadership to me. Absolutely. It, 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 and you just said something very important. I mean, because we, again, it's a society based upon, you know, titles and, and material things. And when it comes down to it, you know, it doesn't matter what title you are. It, it's, it's how you are. What difference can you make to help somebody else by being the example? And really good aspirational leaders, transparent leaders have the ability to be transparent, uh, they admit their mistakes. They they are they are they're continuously being the example, 
And it just takes one person at a time. Not everybody's going to gravitate towards it, but there are good other people that will. Mm-hmm. And and that's when things start to shift. This is what you why you see some companies why they continue to sustain at a much higher level than say the rest of the companies out there in terms of businesses. Mm-hmm. Why certain people's lifestyles you know tend to sustain more than say the average people because they're incorporating this type of concept you know they have certain habits and disciplines that they do consistently so there's all these moving variables that i you know that this aspirational leadership you know leads into and and how it can affect not only your work but also the way you take care of yourself and 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 also the the relationships around you both personal and in business yeah, Chris, I mean, you said it beautifully earlier on in the show, you know, it's a fallacy to think that you can be one way at work and one way at home, because no yeah. matter where you go, there you are. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You can, you can only, you can only pull, pull the wool over people's eyes for so long and they'll pick up on it. <laughs> yeah, no doubt, no doubt. And it's a shame, but, uh, you know, I feel incredibly grateful that, uh, that I've had the experiences that I've had, uh, even the bad ones, um, or, or the, or could be called perceptively bad. I, I'm just so grateful uh, to be here in this in this time in this place with you. That uh, and that's due to all those experiences. So I can look back at at the bad things that happened to me, or 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 less than desirable things that happened to me, and say, yeah, they're all part of this incredible fabric that makes up my life. And uh, it's just different. It's, you know, this this blanket might look different than yours, but it still has equal value. And that's kind of a, a great space for me to wake up in the morning when I look at myself in the mirror and ask, you know, what do you stand for today, Adam? Right no, before absolutely. I walk out the door. So I, so I can consider that question and standing for something doesn't necessarily mean, uh, you know, voicing your opinion all over the place. You're standing with a banner, um, but there's that quiet, uh, quiet, solid way that a man inhabits his space so that it is absolutely no question to anybody around him what he stands for. No, absolutely. And that's uh, so well put to kind of, you know, kind of wrap up where we are with the show today. And Adam, I want to, you know, let the listeners know, you know, again, you know, where can they find you besides some of the books that we talked about that you have? I know you have a new mm-hmm. book coming out, but talk about like where people could find you, what you're currently working on, that type of stuff. If there's anything of that you would you could offer a value to the audience, you're more than welcome to. Absolutely, sir. Um as far as, you know, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, it's all at Adam M. Lamb, uh, all one word. Uh, you can visit my website, which is uh, adammlamb.com. Uh, and for listeners of your show, Chris, I put together a little package because it's about sustainable success. I wanted to be able to gift them uh, one of the main ways in which I can stay um, successful, and that's doing these three audio meditations that I've packaged up together free um, for your listeners. So if they go to adammlamb.com forward slash flow, F-L-O-W, they can download. It's an instant download to those, uh, to those audio meditations. And it's great because you can put them on your phone. One is in the morning, one is in the evening, and one you can use at any point during the day when you have a moment to kind of like, again, kind of be able to pivot from a certain point when you need a different perspective. Um, and other than working uh, diligently with my bride uh, on her transformational business, I'm just continuing to do my writing, um, continuing doing my, uh, I host a men's circle uh, in here in Asheville. And I would say to any man that, you know, it's time to do your work, brother. And if you can't find a spot to do it, start one. Just PM no, me and I'll absolutely. let you know how to do it. <laughs> 
Absolutely. I mean, I mean, I always say that real men are are men who take care of the, you know what's going on inside, and and mm-hmm. if we're going to be better fathers, better husbands, better mentors, better business partners, better leaders. Uh, whatever that is, you know, again, we have to be able to be that example. We have to work on ourselves. We have to take a proactive approach to doing a lot of these things that we discussed today here that uh, Adam shared with us about aspirational leadership. And, you know, again, using his experience as a professional chef to kind of like how that how he learned all these things, both not from from the bad experiences to the good experiences, because there's going to be both. And, and, but the blessing is that there's blessings in, in both sides. That's what's great. We can't appreciate the, the good experiences and what the good comes from things if we didn't experience the bad. And so we yeah. got to kind of look at both. And, you know, now I can look back at, at, at those things that have happened to me in the past. And, but we could look at them in a way that, that I'm glad they happened because I wouldn't be the man I am today had I not went through those experiences. And in order, again, to appreciate the good, we have to know how to embrace the bad and see, you know, what we learn and what we can take out good from that experience. So, so, so true. So, Adam, I want to thank you again for for joining us. I want to thank you listeners for joining us as always every and each every Thursday. Again, uh, this episode will be available later today at the Voice American Influencer channel, as well as the Sustainable Success 2017. Please make sure to reach out to Adam to get those three audio informations again. And we look forward to having you tune in next week as we'll have another great guest that will be joining us. And we wish you a prosperous uh, rest of your week and have a great day. Thank you for tuning in to Sustainable Success. Be sure to join Chris Salem and his guests every Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Have an incredible week.